Welcome to Isidka. My name is Amina Isid, and join me as I take you on a journey to explore identity, culture, and belonging. Take a seat as I take you through time, space, and various perspectives of cultural identity. Stay tuned to see where the journey will take us today. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Isidka. This is part two of the conversation that I had with Mahmoud Moumin and Khadija Sharif of Somal House. Um, and in this conversation, we talk a little bit more about Khadija's recent exhibit um, that just launched right before we had this conversation. So a lot of this conversation is rooted in that. Um, and the relationship between them as like a mentor-mentee relationship, but now as two people that have kind of grown alongside each other. Um and so this was a very beautiful conversation. We had it live in Minneapolis. It was a conversation that I truly would have never ended, but at some point I just had to end the conversation for right now. Um, if you happen to be in Minneapolis, please check out Somal House of Art. Please connect with them. They're a beautiful community of Somali creatives that are willing to continuously support and add people to the fold. Um, and so I think one of the highlights of this conversation um, that made this episode or this conversation in general so different was that we were able to already kind of go there and unlayer our identities, but also the space they each gave each other um, and the flowers that they were able to give each other in live time. Um, no pun intended, Khadija's exhibit was called The Blooming Lotus Flower. But you know, Somalis have a thing about their obsession with flowers. Um, but anyways, enjoy this conversation and stay tuned for more from Isuka. Um, the other identity they talked a lot about was being a woman, but also even during your event, being the eldest daughter. Yeah. So I'm also the eldest in my, yeah, yeah. I'm the eldest of three girls. Um, and so how does that give you a different level of responsibility, but also inform the art that you then produce? So I'm going to say a few things and I think you'll like, we'll connect on it. Um, being the eldest daughter is a very specific experience um, that younger sisters unfortunately will not experience because our biggest effort and our intention is to make sure that we protect them from these experiences um, being an oldest daughter feels like you are taking care of a village and you are putting light into a room and you are responsible to make sure that the light stays on um, being an oldest daughter to me feels um, like you have to be like when things are crashing 
you need to be a space of or a center of calmness that keeps things together and that brings calmness together even if you yourself in your center in your core Falling apart. Yeah. yeah it's okay it doesn't matter yeah. just outside and it's interesting because during the show and i tell people often and even now i'm very nervous yeah you mentioned that but people tell me oh you know i don't notice that i don't see that in you you just seem very poised years and years of training of being an eldest daughter will make you <laughs> hide uh, all emotion <laughs> like no fear nothing will translate outside of my body mm. it'll literally like it's like uh the emoji or that video of spongebob running around while mm. the whole house is like on fire oh, yeah 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 yep, yep. <laughs> and then on the outside inside, <laughs> like not a care in the world and the inside you're just and the outside you're just like hmm peace love unity <laughs> Um, and you're not stranger to that. Like, you know yeah, what I'm talking 100%. about. But what I want to ask you though, building, well, were you done with your point before? I no, 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 go ahead. Go so ahead. what I want to ask you is, um, cause I am older than you, um, is have you, cause only in the past couple of years have I realized that I don't have to always act like I have it together. Like yeah. I can verbalize that it's not okay and the world won't end. Ah, oh, interesting. How recent was that transition? Um, literally honest. So there's been my life after going back and forth to Somalia has been uh, unlearning. Mm. So the podcast was one avenue of getting used to even talking out loud. I talk a lot. Yeah, I can talk all day long. But this, I was like, why would I need to talk on a microphone? Have people listen to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's one aspect of getting used to your voice, mm -hmm. but also the unlayering of I'm like, because now I have a very complex relationship to the motherland mm -hmm. where I'm like, it wasn't necessarily all good. There was points where it was definitely survival of being there. And now I'm like, there's ways that I can connect that I don't need to deal with all of the crap. And like, just, I mean, have, like bullying, toxicity, I don't know what you want to call it. All of it mm. is not worth it to continue to exist in that kind of space or kind of move through the world. Mm. So it also became, I guess, the, and I'm getting older. Life after 30 is great, by the way. You're, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, you're kidding. Yeah. Wallahi, wallahi. Oh, my God. MashaAllah. Tabarakalik. Ilaha Yeah. Wow. Wow. You, I thought we were the same age. I know. Literally, like, this aunties are just like, don't tell anybody. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, Isha, Kukuda. I said, like, MashaAllah. Tabarakalik. MashaAllah. Tabarakalik. Ilaha Wallahi. I feel like you just ripped the rug under me. I thought we were in the same. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So it's just kind of, I think there's a point where there's just the, holding everything inside. It reflects on the outside. Yeah. So you 100%. have to kind of like let things go. Um, and it's a process to even be like, it's okay that you let it go. Yeah. Because we've been walking around with a burden so big that we don't even, we're not cognizant of it. No, it's the standard. It's the standard. Yeah. But then you see the younger siblings, not a care in the world. Nah, 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 I'm nah. like, what are you fighting? What Every are you day, mad about? Riot, and and like, like, what are you mad about? You have everything. You just came here. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally talking about my younger sister today and it's like, she's mad about everything. And I'm like, you have everything. What do you, yeah. People actually even listen to you, bro. I'm like, <laughs> I look at this. You got a voice. Like to be seen, not heard, you know? So it's the, the things that you kind of, the messaging around, especially if you were growing up when your parents were recent immigrants to this yeah. country, that's a very different experience than settled parents. 100%. So a lot of conversations I've been having people now is the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. The parents 
now understand this Western world. So even now it's like, okay, well, it's okay for the kid to express themselves. I was like, you told us we couldn't talk. Like mm-hmm. kids are to be seen, not heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you even talked about that. You're, you're like, mom, I'm here. But then you also added the other perspective of you need to make sure your cup is full. Yeah. Or else yeah. you can't help others from an empty you cup. You can't. It's And that's where the, again, like I, being the eldest sister is the so many words and i have questions for you now because not only are you the oldest sister you're also older than me so you kind (laughs) of know what's going on in the Mm -hmm. future you know like i see you as future me because i don't get to like earlier you said do you feel like you're going through now a phase where you're unlearning these things um i only recently i realized that i'm a very closed off person Oh, girl. But that is because <laughs> you never paid attention to yourself. I never knew that. I thought I was the most open. Yeah. Like, you could see my veins yeah. type of open. And I've been told several times that, Khadija, like, you're very protective. You're mm-hmm. able to take care of people around you. You're really mm-hmm. good at reading rooms. But we don't know you. Okay, so people said that to me, like, in my late 20s, early 30s. They were like, you're so closed off. It's like, and I was like, yeah, I'm a moat. There's seven layers. But also, do you, like, because do you deserve access and respect to each, like, layer? Yeah, it's, there's a deep, I feel like for friendships, right? Yeah. Especially being an older sister, there's, it's really hard for me to step out of the mentality of Inan Kwarka as a bil'adhan from Inan Kwarka as a child. Yeah. What can I do to protect you as a child? Mm. And what can I do to let you speak as an adult? Yeah. And 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 I've noticed that there's blurred lines for me in my friendships and in my mm. siblinghood, for because my siblings, I helped raise my siblings, right? Yeah. And that's a normal thing in our community to help raise your family. Sometimes it's overwhelming, right? Especially for Gabdahawin Rada. It's a lot to take care of all at once. Where the natural practice of keeping your emotions to yourself until things are safe and calm. Yeah. Uh, stays the same way and you realize like it never changes because you're waiting for safety and calmness to happen all around mm. so you can speak up but later in your 20s you're like things are still chaotic what's going on when can I I feel like honestly after my 30s only did I feel like I mean now I feel like safe and settled Yeah, my life has been so chaotic this summer I've been consistently traveling but I think it's releasing the burden of expectations because you're living especially as a first child and a daughter is the expectations. Your life has to be perfect, but is it perfect for you or perfect according to what is expected of you? From the community, yes. from your parents. Ooh, you're well, touching. And even if they don't say Ooh. it to you, but then the thing is also we need to realize is, like my mother was married when she was very young. Mm-hmm. She has not experienced the life that I've had. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't even leave the small town that we live in or mm-hmm. like the state. Me and my sisters, like right now, we're all in different states. Like, mm-hmm. actually, no, we're not all in different states, but we're all like we're always everywhere, you know. Yeah. And so now, when I'm, I'm, he- I've been here for. Th- I don't live here. I'm just not here on vacation. I'm Why here are all the cool weeks. people not from Minnesota? I know. There's oh wow, uh, Connecticut, Connecticut. <laughs> and every day she's like, "Okay, make sure you do this," because she's scared. You just try and protect me. And I was like, even so, I was talking to my friend about it. I'm like, "Hoya." I've been to multiple countries and cities. Like, I can navigate anything. Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. At this point. She doesn't have that. So she cannot understand my world. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't understand how your world is so small. Yeah. 
because that's not my experience. So even when I was in Hamad one time, this guy was like, okay, and then I told him, he's like, and I said, no. And he's like, I said, Hoya got married young, so I'm bashing for the both of us. Yes, like, yeah. um, and it's just kind of like, it, we also are getting, so when they come at us from their angle, it's because it's all that they know. Yeah. So how are we going to relate to them if we have a different life experience? Yeah. So it's just kind of when you're like, so it also takes growth of getting used to that. It's mm-hmm. like they want us to be right from what they know, but that yeah. doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Somalia that they knew doesn't exist. We're in a new country. So it's, it's just kind of, I think we have to own our perspective. And that's where the voice to, yeah. and the confidence piece comes in. It's I wish I had like a notebook because you, you touched upon so many things in my head. I'm like ding 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 ding. <laughs> our parents alhamdulillah lived a life which they have blessed us to live a life where we're able to do what we are doing now. Yeah. Right? And what is that triangle where, like, the basic necessities that that mm-hmm. gets to Maslow's hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? They were at that stage where they're going up, right? And going to that stage where, like, self actualization and experiencing life and, like, really thinking of yourself. And, but in the time, at least for my parents, it was like, my grandfather had a hotel, half of the hotel got bombed, like, a lot of violence were happening. And so the practice of protection, taking care of unity, kept them survival, like kept them at a space of survival, right? And then now coming to a new country, there's no transition where walwulla frisaniya, and then you know, hey, what then can merkadimatid and wahasala samaya sinanala samaya waha. There was none of that. It was back to okay. Not only now are you in your new space, not only now are you exposed to a new language, a new culture, but on top of that, din tadi malagahalin. Like we don't we don't like right yeah. and then on top of that language key right mm-hmm. and the best thing you can do as a bilalim is advocate for yourself but if you can't even advocate yourself on a language that is not like friendly to you like it's it's shut down mm-hmm. and so here our parents are well when I think about what my parents went through and what like other sisters and brothers have gone through with their parents in regards to conversations they've had. I genuinely think that if we were in that position, yeah. we would not have survived. We would have, I'd be like, yep, I'm done, I'm finished. But for them to like, at age 20, my, my mom had to move to a new country with a daughter at age 20, uh, went to Scandinavian countries and had to hop back and forth to different countries until she settled in the community where there were Somali people. And then there, by herself, my dad is in America, taxi driver, making little to no money, trying to send money back and forth. These experiences that they had was like very much survival-based, right? Mm-hmm. But like, let's make sure that they're okay. So now, Alhamdulillah, we're exposed to like the American culture where you can go outside, you can do whatever you want, you know, not a lot of crazy things are going to happen to you right away. Um, of course, there's still, their, you know, American challenges. But in their eyes, they still see a lot of what happened back home. And my aunt, Ida is 31, I think. Oh, wow. Hold on, let me think. Yeah, she's 31. She's 31. And she talks about how in Hamar, um, she saw a lot of incidents. And the whole conversation came from 
There was Qaf Adan walking outside and all she said was, I don't know how the Tkina, you guys are feeling comfortable walking outside. I still get traumatized mm. when I walk outside. I am scared. And I was like, like what caused you to be scared to just walk outside? It's like my favorite thing to do. But I'm like, yeah. you know, scared endlessly. Scared to go outside here? Scared to go outside here. I see. And she's 31 years old. She's been in America for five years, still embedded wow. in her heart. And I asked her why, like, Mahada, in the neighborhood that she was in, she watched a um, mentally ill young man um, be shot and uh, by soldiers. The neighborhood here? Or at neighborhood back home. Back home. Okay. And, and then she was caught um, in a shooting as well. And uh, um, just safety wasn't, like, it was not easy for her. Right, and then now she still has to like unlearn those things. Mm. So, and uh, to, to wrap it all in a package, and I can under at a young age it was very hard for me to understand why our parents reacted the way that they did to a lot of things, because I was like, ah, well, it's not that big of a deal. Mm. But now that I'm older, and I'm looking back at these conversations, and I take away the identity of Walid Nimo and just yeah. Like I see them in their humanness, it makes a lot of sense. So I think that is a huge thing that a lot of people don't talk to their parents as people. Mm. Like, and so there is the guard between like I'm your parent, I'm raising you. Like you don't, but, and it's an immigrant thing that they don't really share much with their parents. Like Hassan Minhaj talked about that, mm-hmm. um, and that's when I was like, oh my god, all of us immigrant kids are growing up the same way. Our parents, he's like, my parents yeah. are strangers. Copy like, and paste. <laughs> He's like, his dad had a whole life that he never knew about. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it harder for us to find a middle ground with our parents because we don't even know what he's so much. At least if you un- if you have a conversation, you can understand the other, perspe- the other person's perspective. Mm-hmm. And even when I went back home, I'm like, okay, can we just talk as people? And it's always like a very filtered, like, because they know your diaspora, maybe they're trying to impress you. And I'm like, yeah. can we just be regular and have a conversation? I'm like, are you guys happy here? Like, how does this life make sense to you? You know, could you explain mm-hmm. to me why you do this? Then I would understand mm-hmm. and I could like, you know, accept it. but i'm like if you don't explain to me and i don't know what's going i'm like I, I always used to ask this one friend why do you guys do why he's like stop asking why and i'm like but there you guys have to communicate like y'all mm-hmm. talk all day long but don't yeah. say like aren't actually telling me things in a way that i understand things. yeah um but i think that's why the, i think that's a really important like thing that we need to have like ha- become a community of like having conversations mm-hmm. even the knowledge sharing so you like spoke upon like your mentorship relationship being really important mm-hmm. to you, um, yeah. Khadija. So for your side as the mentor, the older mm-hmm. figure, yeah. like the older bro in the room, yeah. how how do you relate to people that are like younger students or artists that you're working with? And how do you think of your role as like a mentor figure? Yeah. Well, I think if we only have like one person, let's say we need to have as many doctors, as many teachers, as many lawyers, as many cooks in in all facets of life to be represented. And so it's no different, you know, the, I always think about having as many artists because one artist's lifetime, they can only spend, if they're successful, maybe 10, 10 projects, 10, 15, 20, I mean, deep projects, right? And so... And as one human being, you cannot to even attempt to ask 
let alone answer all of these questions, right? And so for me, I see that the more photographers and artists that are coming up that are interested in art, the better for me because then, you know, they can, the questions that I have or that I didn't have, they can attempt to answer those questions. And it's also important, same way we talk about our parents, Kena, they always put this strong face, right? Mm-hmm. Like to be strong for us, because that's what as young ones, you know, like our parents are like rocks. And most of the time, they don't share these other stories, you know, they just want to put a good face to set you out in the world, you know, even though they have all of these anxieties about the unknown. And even them asking the questions like, am I doing the right thing? Mm. Even though as, as the kids, we ask those questions ourselves, like they have those questions as well. Mm. And so a lot of times as a mentor, somebody who knows a thing or two, I also want to pass it on to those that come after me, you know, they don't have to spend so much time on the things that I spend so much time trying to get in terms of the skills, the intuition, the drive, the curiosity, the, the open mindedness, all of those things they come with, but the things like understanding what the camera does or lighting, some basic technical understanding so that the, machine or the the tools that you have are not limiting your creative freedom and expression so i want to pass those lessons to a lot of times just pass it on so that they can get to go make that great poetry photography film and what have you but i also think i have to come at it differently because there's also that generational um, divide as well because everything when I was starting out little a few things were on YouTube I had to read books most of the time or, or seek it out and ask people right uh, but for them it's like everything is also in, instantaneous as well mm. and so there's different ways of um, knowing as well so like that patience but i think some of the things that are also timeless you know respecting time your time humility um appreciate learning being able open to learn um asking questions those things are always you know whatever generation that you're in are like a bedrock of of knowledge uh, in education and so I think it's important to have like we have Somal House the only Somal gallery uh, Somali well I wish we had 10 of uh, 10 galleries mm. I wish we had 20 different artists that are doing the same subject uh, or asking even the same question because then you would have 20 different ways of knowing and so then I think also the support system I always say we are the same tribe. If you're an artist, we like forget about your tribe, <laughs> but I think we share that commonality. So it's really important to pass it on, so that you honor those com- that came before you, mm. but also cherish that those who are 
coming after after you as well what do you live ultimately it comes down to yeah what what is what is your value what has your life meant here um either you raised a family you were a teacher you were a doctor like what there's got to be much more than that and it also it's not so much of what material stuff you leave behind it's just in terms of knowledge in terms of helping somebody out I think like honestly the biggest legacy that somebody could leave is like inspiring somebody else yep. or kind of being a mentor figure to them because mm-hmm. that will be something that your name will exist way mm-hmm. after you but also show up so maybe you said something to Khadija years ago that mm-hmm. stayed with her and she's going to continue off of that but also mm-hmm. continue to inspire other people maybe you know based on that principle that you showed her Absolutely um so just to put you on the spot real quick so on uh Saturday when your event was launched mm-hmm. he showed us a picture of like it was your little sister at your yes. event yes. I just was thinking yeah. about that picture honestly Yeah and then your your sister at your event now <laughs> like your yeah. exhibit now yeah. in 2023 so how have you seen Khadija grow um and develop oh, as an wow. artist and a human <laughs> being Does she need to be here for that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. leave for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this <laughs> I don't want to get put out on it. Well, when we met uh, over 10 years ago, some I think she disappeared. Actually, there was a time she disappeared. Yeah. And I think maybe I came off too strong mm. or what have you. But I think a lot of it is over the years. I also learned like it has to come from the person who wants to learn as mm. well like i could want the world for you but if you are not in a position or or if it's not the right time for you then all the knowledge and resources in the world would not do anything for you i think the thing that is the underlying thread between when i first met khadija and now is i think that pursuit that mm. being able I'm not even looking at her <laughs> I'll pretend she's not here that is like why are you still doing this mm. like but I think I've gone past that she I think she had that question her family had that question why are you doing this mm. now they have they've grown beyond that question mm. it's like they accept and it's like okay this is what she's doing that no matter how much tension and how much rife it has created in her life mm. she's still sticking to it it was so tagantai yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and so that says a lot about you 100%. know like your journey gaga yeah. you know um what you do how your work is received mm. uh, the important all of those things are outside of your control mm. what you're in control is you conceive of a project with the f- sets of questions that you want to pursue and you execute that. Mm-hmm. And then what comes out of it mm-hmm. And I think and then once you it teaches you that discipline and it also teaches you that self-worth yeah. that you know like I can do this. Yeah. And you can take those lessons that you learn through the art making and apply it into your life to be able to have that confidence. Mm-hmm. And so when I see Khadija I think when It's somebody first of all who's like very curious and we have this I think in a, in a, in a way our minds kind of work the same way like the ideas that she has um the imagination that she has sometimes maybe she not, might not put it on the table all of that mm. like there's no idea that's that's crazy enough for her mm. 
and it's just a way to pursue. Sometimes she could come up with. She's inspired me in that regard. Like to think outside the box, mm. so I could okay. see that. You know, the good thing with a mentor is he can still form his students. Sometimes yeah. it's like learning. It's not the other. They, it's people not think it's the street. other one way. Maha. Yeah. It's two ways. Yeah. In other words, like you can also learn, be inspired, be like, you know, a fusion of young blood into your system is helpful. Yeah. So I think that's what there is. And I also think Khadija is not someone who believes like resources are not limiting, mm. like whatever it is. And I think for an artist, the biggest thing, if there's one thing that they need to hold on to is the, the idea that, you, the belief that you can do, everything is possible. And so there is no excuse. And so even though yeah, we need, as artists today in Minneapolis, we need resources, right? Even without those resources, we could still create and not let time pass by sitting for the next opportunity, right? And so her work is complex, is multi-dimensional a lot of times. And sometimes I feel like she hasn't gotten to explaining or getting to the things that she set out because it's so deep. And so I don't think it, w it can take only one project to understand. So maybe another 10 years when we look back, mm. it's when we'll, oh, now we understand. <laughs> so in that way, she's a little bit ahead of us. <laughs> yeah. She hasn't even looked up. So okay. <laughs> let me tell you about that one time now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so and that's what it is you know sometimes you look in when you look at one one project you have that you zoomed in yeah. into that but you also need to step back and zoom out and so maybe in in, t in a couple of years there'll be more things that you can ask or, or, or understand i guess so so that was a lot of praise for the first, the eldest daughter of the family. I think the stubbornness yeah. and being able to still create something out of nothing is mm -hmm. a lot of the attributes that you can really, you know, kind of be mm -hmm. proud of and being eldest daughter. Um, but with, so after you heard that, I'm not going to ask you how you feel because you can process that mm -hmm. on your own. But um, could you speak a little bit more about your exhibit that just premiered last Saturday that was dedicated to Somali womanhood? And I think honestly... It's one of the only public things that I've seen about Somali womanhood done in that way. Um, I would have really liked to see something like that, but women are very, especially Somali women, it was a multi-generational piece. And women, my mom, I can only take pictures of her once every three years, if that. Because she's like, I'm not ready, don't take pictures of me. And lately she's been saying that for 20 years. Um, but there is the Hishod Talal, like, you know, that we all, that a lot of Somali women live behind and they don't make it past that. So to see multi-generational women, even an auntie, and I took a picture of the hands because the hands reminded me of my grandmother's hands and my Ayo and Hargeisa. Um, so speak a little bit more about your exhibit, the reaction to it. Your whole family was in the crowd. So it seems like your family mm -hmm. did come around, mashallah. Yeah. So. Um, can I... Before I answer that question, mm. <laughs> go ahead. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> can I? 
<laughs> I have a lot of pent up tension okay. and I need to really <laughs> <laughs> do you mind if I said something and then I answer? No, the no, question? no, yeah, go ahead. Okay. And uh, now it's your turn to look away. <laughs> and, uh, um, I just want to. I don't. The question was about you at the. No, no, no. I have to throw it. Can I throw it back? Yes, Thank you. Absolutely. And I don't know if you were going to go. Should I wait? No, no, no. You can go ahead. Okay. And uh, um, so, Mu'min, I feel like he's a, he's the type of person who um, is like uh, not a wallflower, but he's like a wall. I'm the paint on the wall. Mm. And uh, very much present, very much. Uh, surrounding um, but oftentimes likes to just kind of not give himself the credit that he deserves and uh, I'll be very open and honest with you and he's brushed a lot of like back uh, in my young age um, kind of under the rug um, and I know it's out of, out of <laughs> out of respect for me but I do want to say that and I, I, I am, and I was very lucky and blessed to have a teacher who looked at me and believed in me. No matter what, whether I broke a vase or whether I ran around or whether I didn't believe in myself or whether I disappeared, regardless of what happened, I always knew that when I turned back, moment would be standing there. And as a student, especially at a young age, because um, I started learning about photography at age 16. Um, it was, at that time, you're learning about your own identity. You're learning about, like, you're going through a bunch of hormones. You're feeling deeply insecure about just your presence. Um, but something that always stayed the same was just um, Mu'min being a teacher and teaching me the practice of photography, um, its technical practice, and then also the way that you work with people um, and I remember countless of times where Aniahan looking back at it, sometimes I feel ashamed as to how I I didn't understand the value and the 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 incredible opportunity I had at hand. But Alhamdulillah that I went through it because I learned that my teacher believed in me. And even it, it just takes one person to believe in you. To, to tell yourself, okay, even though I don't see the talent, or maybe even I, though I struggle to see the talent, and although I am in the search of seeking it, there's no way my mentor, or there's no way this person is hallucinating. They must see something. I need to go find it. Mm. And in some ways, the pursuit of, you know, me going forward with photography and with the arts, regardless of whatever, whatever hardship I had gone through, came from the belief of like a mentor seeing me and saying, I see you and I see the light in you and I, and I trust that you will reach it eventually. My job as your teacher is to continue to teach you as much as I can. And there's never been once where he has not taught. And, and like, um, to be successful, sometimes you have to find yourself a mentor in the field that you want to be successful in. The... The way that I met him was orchestrated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's my belief. And uh, and to this day, I don't think he understands, although I talk about it, I don't think he understands the actual impact that he had in my photography. Had he not been there fighting to teach me how to learn the arts of like a camera or 
going out of his way to show me opportunities, helping me with my first exhibition show, helping me with my group shows, teaching me how to read a contract, telling me the importance of my rights as a photographer and my rights as a person and as a creative. If it wasn't that, I don't think I would have reached the space I am now to be able to create my own exhibition. And and I know during the day of the exhibition, in my head, I did ask myself one question, which was, I hope that Moment is proud of himself because the work that was done here would not have come into light if he had not pushed me so far for so long. Mm. And so, yeah, I don't look at him while I'm saying that, but <laughs> he's looking down too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I didn't know this was the plan. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, well, <laughs> Yeah, like my hands are sweating. So, <laughs> the other question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you want to respond to her first before she gets gets into answers to other questions? No, I'm I'm extremely proud of you, and I think that that you are proud of yourself, and and not only just as much as you give the credit as well, but I think you did it, and I think one of the things that I, the reason why I kept coming back is like. Why she's she's still here? I was mm-hmm. like, well, I can't go nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw that in you. Like if you completely disappeared and and didn't come back, probably went out and looked for you, and maybe after a while, it'd be like, okay, she doesn't want to do photography. But I think just your tenacity and and drive that you wanting to be here. Like okay, well, if she's here, I'm here too. Mm-hmm. So give yourself a that credit as well, like to consistently, how do I, like, I have no doubt that you will continue, maybe like I'll be out of the art game before you, you do. Uh, uh, and so I think, yeah, and, and just to see the love in your family, your family's appreciation, uh, the, the Zainab, right? Zainab. Zainab, her sister, your sister. Oh, no, Zihan. Zihan, sorry. Zihan was like super young. She actually didn't have two. She was missing (laughs) her front teeth. And she she was was at Khadija's first exhibit, Mm. which she did within a short time, like the project, the way it came out. um, And the way it was like, I feel like when I look at your growth, Kaga, your ideas are strong enough that you like, some things you don't let's say you for instance if you're building a house if your foundation is strong you know you can work on other parts and it's very hard as an artist like once the foundation is there everything else is just like window dressing the windows and all of these things and I feel like that strength to understand and to put things together was always there and so to see her younger sister um, how your family was there too. Your dad was there. The other night, your dad was, I think he's he out of He was out of the country, yeah. Yeah. Back then, your dad was there. And yeah. And before you, I think she had a, new, a she, newborn. Yeah, she gave birth to Safa yeah, at that yeah. time, yeah. So, and I mean, I've also c- gotten to know her family. Mm. It just became, just through her artwork, the way they were supportive. I don't know what questions were there behind closed doors, <laughs> but they were showing up. So to see that consistently <laughs> is, is amazing. Even your my the, aunt and my uncle, your auntie who was there that night. Yeah, I've, I haven't met her yet. This yeah, was the first my, time. My dad's cousin. Okay, yeah. so and your uncle. I have. Yes. This was the first time I saw your Aderka. Yeah, 
And so it became a family affair, like um, that people know each other and they probably don't know my background, you know, Kabilka, Ahayo, any of that. Yeah. They just know me as somebody who does art. Mm-hmm. And that's what Khadija does too, so... <laughs> <laughs> You know, I will say. Yeah. It's <laughs> just a Somali way of understanding. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They did that thing together. Yeah. And just to see a family growing together, yeah. like in the art. Because when we talk about, we want our art to impact others, mm. the people that see it. But it starts with your family yeah. in order to see your journey through your family mm. as an outsider from, you know, somebody from the outside of your family to see. The way, because I remember the first time when we met, I met at her uncle's clinic, in her auntie's clinic. Mm. I was doing pictures, poetry. I was taking pictures for the staff. Mm. And I'm, I see this tall young lady. She's like looking at us like maybe she wants to do her, take our pictures. Mm. She was, from the corner of my eye, I could see she was really looking at what was going on. I had one flash and I had people sitting there. So she was looking, and then Yusuf, your Apti, mm. actually said, like, Mahmoud uh, Gabadan, she's interested in photography. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I, everywhere I go, people <laughs> will say that, right? And I'm like, here's my card. You want to Mubarunra Saha? Yep. I, I remember spending that time, because that's the thing. You never know who is going to be along the journey for this. Yeah. And so treating the same. But in my mind, I'm like, well... Maybe Ilaha Kadigitono, the one that yeah. comes, you know. And uh, and the first time I met her, her dad was with her. It's like, oh, that's right. how serious it was. Yeah. Obviously, they met me at my studio. And so, uh, you know, like, See, what's as a teenager, like? you know, you needed somebody yeah, to come with you. And I was like, this is strange. <laughs> I'm thinking, what, what do they have up their sleeve here? No. It's like, she brought her dad. <laughs> to the meeting obviously as a teenager right you know like somebody was under 18 at the time and i think that investment i believe like if you have your dad with you and your family even say something in the first part yeah Yeah. i had family support my uncle i don't know if you know this do you know how i found out about you Mm -mm. wow the world is crazy Mm -hmm. i feel like i've told him the story but i guess i didn't and I was really young and it was late at night and I was in the living room of my previous home mm-hmm. with my parents. Um, and uh, I was just, everybody, uh, I was too young to care about like passion, but I knew that I loved art and I loved writing. Poetry mm-hmm. has always been with me. Um, and then you popped up on PBS documentary. Wow. A tall Somali man <laughs> with so. a camera walking around the Caesar neighborhood talking about like yeah i document such and such the you know the way in which you document buildings and people it is very important the angle and he's just going into it and i was really young i'm just glued to the tv i didn't want to do that uh, documentary can you really i'm so happy that you did because that's the only i would have never known of you except for that right and so i watched that and i finished it and then weeks later I saw the same person I saw on the TV in front of me with the camera, mm-hmm. the whole setup, taking photos. And I remember my aunt and Afzadi yep, and Afti yep, Yusuf were with yeah, me, yep. and I grabbed them. And I was like, "Oh my God, he does photography. He do- he knows how to take <laughs> photographs. This is so cool. Can you introduce me?" And my uncle did. And then yep. um, I ran home and I told my dad about it and mm-hmm. my mom. And my mom 
my parents have always thought like I was um like I was a very gabartosan and I am like gabartosan alhamdulillah but they knew that I loved photography and they knew that I loved art and they knew that I loved poetry but they didn't know how serious I was about it right mm. and because beforehand it was a lot of like medical yeah. school but Alisa and Dr. Badnaqanisa you know you can help people in many ways and we were as a family learning that that mm. was a reality and so my dad bought me my first camera I remember after I had met you right yeah, I um, and he took me there and he was like okay so ninkayawi <laughs> And I said, well, yes. "What And he goes, "Okay, mashuka imali. Sawru malki qala, yuka qala. Tatu qala. Hey, mashaku baradi. And clinic. Hafi matki zimu haka khaldan. My like question upon question. Yeah. And then I was like, I would just take me there. And he said, "Okay, kili ga gubruina. Because of course, there's a dynamic of like an older man teaching mm. a younger woman. Mm-hmm. There's the sense of protecting things yeah. like that." And so we went, and my dad was like, okay, I want to know what this person's about. 100%. And so you sat there, and you explained, I have a camera. Here's mm-hmm. a camera. This is, you know, your daughter came to me. She wants mm-hmm. to learn. This is the intention. I just want to teach her photographs. Um, of course, through the process of you teaching me, there was a lot of ups and downs yes. as a student. <laughs> and I was Khadija from back in the days. I'm yes. a new girl now. I'm a new woman. Yes. <laughs> but, and... Um, yeah, my parents even started believing after years of like continuous mm-hmm. conversations because you, what yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, they started believing, okay, this is an actual educational process that Khadija is going on and this matters to her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alhamdulillah, the whole like mentorship preserved and stayed mm-hmm. um, through all those hardships and ups and downs and like, cultural questions you have us mm. yeah and so then that's kind of led way now to your most recent exhibit that just mm. launched this saturday yep. yes yep. yeah yeah it's crazy that the fact that this is my sole exhibition after 10 years mm-hmm. almost 10 years yeah. of wow like from the first time i started doing shows and things like that it's mind-blowing of course um alhamdulillah this exhibition was about um, Somali woman, but woman in general, sisterhood, um, the feeling of being um, the person in which you are um, often leaned on, seek support from, um, but in a way also the fact that we recognize our mothers and our grandmothers and the lineage of women above us to be structures of fa- home foundation, right, and the emotional foundation for homes. Um, and then on top of that, for our daughters to be those who, or our sisters to be those in which um, have to learn to express themselves, but also cater to everyone in our community and to ourselves. So there's a lot of things that I learned in the exhibition, alhamdulillah. Okay, but can you speak a little mm. bit about the exhibition? Ah, okay. Um, mm-hmm. So, sorry, I don't like talking about myself. <laughs> and so the yeah. exhibition had a collection of different things. So there were four poems. Uh, and then there was a, um, a audio film that was in the back room mm-hmm. um, that showcased a series of poetry audio, audio style. And then there, on top of that, there was also photographs, 10 photographs total um, um, that were sectioned off for public viewing and then for private viewing. The public viewing section um, touched a lot on support systems uh, visually and then also um, uh, lineage in the sense of mothers and our grandmothers 
um, and connections between daughters and their mothers um, through the aspect of also wearing the outerwear of Somali Dra. And then the uh, backspace was another series of photographs where, again, it was just showcasing visually, emotionally, showcasing emotionally what I see as sisters mm. and, and the feeling of having sisterhood in my community and how that feeling can be translated into a visual embrace. Um, for example, there was, um, again, this entire exhibition is birthed from uh, inshallah, a poetry book that will soon soon oh, be coming, okay. and uh, which also has been uh, in the mill in in the mm. space of production and still is in the space of production for the past like six seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, even in the book, I talk a lot about womanhood and how it feels to be the eldest daughter and how it feels to sacrifice voice, sacrifice space, and sacrifice identity for the love of community mm. and for the love of the people around you and for your family so that you can keep the peace and and so this exhibition for me was very healing because it centered me back to why I'm doing what I'm doing which was for all of our sisters who secretly and silently lean on one another um in the poetry book there is a poem that says uh, I kiss fire often to sear my tongue into silence mm. and which touches up on even that practice of us talking mm. right is sometimes very hard right yeah and and very challenging um but through this exhibition what i wanted to showcase is that we're not the only ones talking or starting to talk that we are in in the space of connecting with sisters who lean on to each other physically and emotionally and who are also experiencing talking to each other um, or talking about things that are hard for them. There was a specific photograph in the backspace where there are four sisters, there's five sisters total. They're facing away from the camera, so we only mm. see their back. And then there's one sister in the middle that is looking dead on, mm. right, breaking the fourth wall at the viewer. And for that piece specifically, what I really wanted to showcase was the feeling of breaking that silence mm. and acknowledging that it is eating us right mm. earlier you talked about how um specific things have manifested for you physically mm-hmm. in which now you believe yourself to be even more beautiful mm. now at this age because you're able to open up right mm-hmm. and uh, and and in a way again that also connects with the concept of the blooming lotus flower which mm-hmm. is the entire exhibition's title um where the more you open the more you showcase the petals your colors um and and the vibrance of the flower that you are um and so in connection to that just breaking that concept of silence and facing the community and speaking up about um different hardships that have been normalized mm. for example the hardship of being the oldest sister and what that means to sacrifice yourself sacrifice your space for the comfort of others and um there's also this other story which touched and influenced my my uh, exhibition i uh, before the exhibition and during the creation of the book and the poetry i would talk to a lot of elders in the community a lot of my aunts, a lot of my like grandmothers, a lot of elders, family friends. Um, and I remember speaking to an elderly mother who had five children. She was in her 60s, uh, arranged marriage. And, and she talked about how all through her life, through her youth, through her 
a midlife all the way to her to the age that she is now she has only now come to realize that she doesn't really know herself right but it became very real that experience of not knowing yourself became very vivid to her when one day her children asked her what do you want to eat and typically she knows every dish her children like mm-hmm. like each one she can name several dishes a variety of dishes for each child she has five and then she also named that for her husband but she couldn't name one for herself she couldn't wow. name one dish that excited her that made her feel alive mm-hmm. that made her feel loved and that was like monumental to her and she told me at the time Khadija no matter what happens in your life no matter whether you have children or you get married always make sure that you make room and space for yourself and do not sacrifice that because then you will sacrifice love in some ways extend it to others right your cup must be full for you to take care of others so it's it's a whole like deep bowl of like yeah. uh, ideas and concepts I'm still unraveling and they're so deep like Mu'min said it will probably take me years to even have the courage to showcase more of it mm. um, but like the practice of a blooming lotus flower and the aspect of blooming right the seed must crack in order to yeah. cro- grow um, and so I think that's where I am in the space of this creation of the exhibition mm-hmm. but also in the conti- continuation of that as well I think also then there's like time for you to process as necessary, even kind of what this experience was like, mm-hmm. as you also kind of grow into this person that you're becoming, um, growing and learning and unlearning type of thing. Um, and then also then embodying those kind of principles and ideals. Like right now it might be scary because it's far away and it's challenging everything that you knew. Even when you spoke at the exhibit, you were like talking about how your mother shouldn't suffer because you're there. But then you're going to get to a point where, not to preach at you, but um, but then, you know, you'll eventually kind of get to a point where it's like, well, what does what my womanhood entail? Maybe I like luxury. That's what the 30s have taught me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I like the, the finer things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like the, sac- the sacrifice isn't serving me. You know, like, what does that look like practically? What does that feel like? And then what type of, what do you want to feel like? Not what do you want to be, mm. but what do you want to feel like? Oh, wow. Yeah. I really like and them. And I, I see even the pro- the project that you did at Yeah Maybe, you remember? That when oh, you yeah. yeah using your, your own family, there's always those threads of womanhood mm. within your project. And I think what this project captured, at least from my perspective, it's very hard to capture the poetic visually. Yeah. And you could, you could do it with language, because you have at your disposal tons of words and you could rearrange those you can make it longer shorter uh, but i think visually with one especially photographs is very hard and i think that's what it captures and that's why like it is even hard to to understand or get into it with just one take yeah um and and to see sort of like that thread always in pursuit of the poetic. I feel like even though the book is not there, like it's also a poetry. I feel like as much as I didn't read the entire book, what is your poetry, but I could see, if I see the images, I can see that also as a way of, you know, introducing the book itself visually. In the audio Uh, portion. I think like the rumor was just the audio, like the words mm-hmm. on the screen. Yep. I thought that was really well done too, because mm. 
I'm a type of person that words are very important. Mm. So like you did have your poetry like uh, it, like within the exhibit, like mm -hmm. kind of on the wall, but that gives you uh, the person another space to really ingest it. Mm -hmm. People don't read no more. Yeah. Yep. 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 Like, yep. So that's the way where they're going to have to face the word mm -hmm. and process it and think about it. Um, so I thought that was also like yeah. a very nice element Multidisciplinary, bringing yeah. all of these disciplines, audio, video, yeah. uh, text, pictures, all of it to mm -hmm. say what you need, I think. About Somali womanhood mm -hmm. at Somal House. Yeah. So guys, it's almost 9.30. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't want to like... I feel like this conversation will never end, honestly. I know, I know. Yeah. This, oh this is, yeah, you've gotten things that I never said before, so... I was like, standard, what, like, yeah, are you, what yeah, are you gonna do? Yeah, this is amazing. But I guess this is what, like, I guess creatives and artists... You know, it's also, I think, the one thing that this podcast has taught me is that we all need a space to kind of yep. have these conversations. Yeah, and absolutely. we don't have yep. too many public spaces to have these conversations. But also, of course... Exactly. Also, like, kudos exactly. to you. If it was somebody else by now, would be like, wow, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very so, awkward. So that's why yeah. earlier you were kind of like, okay, Khadija, talk now. Yes. But you and did a wonderful still, job. Got, yeah, she yeah. was good. You did. It. Can we give her a round of applause or uh, yeah, clapping I bet for she you? Say more than so you're. Uh, so I want to end off with two questions. Like, yes. let me keep it brief. Mm -hmm. Um, so the first one, so. Your exhibit's at Somal House. So the question that you kind of were talking about that you irrigated or were mm. like trying to figure out in the beginning of what does it mean to be Somali? And mm. that's a question that also started me on this ridiculous path that I'm on. Mm -hmm. So I'd like you both to answer that. What does it mean to be Somali? Yeah, to you. <sighs> it's, I don't think I have, it's, it's much more than just sharing a common language. Mm. Um, it's religion or spirituality, um, even the same country, mm. you know. I think it's much more than that. And I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you stole my answer. Yeah, it's, so <laughs> it's hard. To be Somali, it's, yeah. it's so many things. Um, mm -hmm. for me, I would answer the question as to be Somali is to be in community, mm. right? Um, and to be, we find pride in togetherness mm. and sometimes we find pride in separation. Mm -hmm. Um, but although I am still in the journey of trying mm -hmm. to learn what it means specifically for me, Ani Ahan, Khadija Ahan to be Somali, the first thought that I had was to have Naharis. Mm, and Nahari is in the extension of the way in which you practice your religion, mm. showcase your tatkagi um, uh, in regards to their common culture and heritage, but Nahari um, in the sense of sharing your story, mm. right? Which our elders are still struggling with. And to me, Somali is still a shape shifting, you know, question and. Mm answer and um but at most it's to me naharis right mm. to have a sense of naharis for one another to have a sense of community for each other to to be supportive of each other although there are clearly very mm. yeah. like we we are understanding that there is still the challenge of like separation and there is a lot of politics in it but at, at the end of the day even the smallest act of 
if I come to someone who's Somali, like if I'm in Japan mm. and I see a Somali person across the street, automatic, like no questions. Somali matai. Yeah. Like there's a sense of family yeah. that you don't find in in um in here in the United States. Yeah. Um to me that's what Somali Nimo means. There's a the masjid Masjid Tawfiq, right? The masjid that by Somal. Yeah. One of the Friday prayers, I was walking, as I'm walking, there's a, Masjid has like a lot of Oromo, and this older guy comes behind me, and I'm like facing away from him. He probably saw me passing by. Somali, he goes like, it's like, and then I was curious. He's like, yeah, Somali, Somali, original Somali. He says, I don't know what he meant. And then, and I was like, I stopped, I asked, how did you know? And he's like, of course, almost like he's saying that. And yeah. I'm like, wow. he didn't give me an a answer to, yeah, he's like, like, you're asking me that question. And I was like, how does he know? You know, mm. sometimes somebody will see, he's like, oh, you're Somali. And I always ask, especially if the person is non-Somali, mm. um, like, how? And so, yeah, the way we look or talk or certain things that are giveaway, mm. but it's much more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beyond that. I love what you said about Naharis because Mm -hmm. I was really like, even I was talking about that recently because even I have a tumultuous relationship back home, whatever, but I'm like, what makes me feel like I'm connected to them is that Naharis Mm -hmm. when it's a pit when it's there. But it's like, there's a certain way of, even if they talk to you crazy, still in a tent about Thai, you know, like, and there's still like a deep sense of belonging to Mm -hmm. them, to the land even like regardless of anything so that's actually kind of leads me to my second question um because you showed me pictures we talked about Hargeisa and Muktusho like you brought up Chichiga you have family Mm -hmm. in Kenya Mm -hmm. so you kind of hit almost all five points (laughs) alone but to touch a little bit on your relationship to the motherland um what does that look like to you in whichever way you want to answer it Mm -hmm. um yeah. And yeah. When I'm there, I don't, I sort of like let myself like free, free in a sense that I'm not, it's almost like if whatever is assaulting you is like, let's say, hunter. Mm. Like you always have this armor, yes. either clothing. Like I could take whatever that is yeah. and just, you know. If I was a crustacean, I could expose my soft yeah. side without thinking. It's like I need a room to hide. I need a shell. Yeah. I need to protect these constantly. You know, I don't have that. Yeah. It's just I'm, I'm, you know, obviously it might not be safe or, you know, in, in the most conventional way. Yeah. But mentally and psychologically, you, f- you have that sense. It's like, ah. I totally agree with that. It's a, it's a feeling. I, I know exactly what you're talking like, about. Yeah. Uh, my relationship back home is, for me, a little different from yours. And it's like um, when you're thirsty, you've been thirsty for a very long time, mm. and then you're presented with water. It's parts of you is like, okay, should I ration mm. the water or should I drink it all at once? Will I get more? Mm. And... The times that I did go back to Somalia was once. 
but my dad made sure to hit like several places and it felt like I was drinking and soothing a part of me that I didn't know was deeply missed yeah. right to know that you know that Kego like no matter how broken my language is I still understand them in some ways hopefully they understand me right mm-hmm. I can ask questions I if there's a concern or a thing that I think is an unjust I can speak up a lot more freely than I feel like I would be able to speak up here because there we have the baseline that Somali batai Muslim batai right mm-hmm. and then there's the rest of the other dynamic aspects right but still like it feels as though when I'm back home I get to drink water again which sounds so sad but it really like no, it feels I feel joyous because I get to see my people prosper mm-hmm. and their life and I get to see my family live out a completely different life but a life that's so true to who they are right like my uncles being shepherds and have had like joke about like their lifestyle my aunts having their shops and things like that and me walking from every corner of the like streets only seeing somali faces right everybody's my habiyat everybody's my ito everybody's my other hada idul misa da idul minin doesn't matter still wahba iskuna hai right hadana it's just it's it's a din te di mashu chukta daqan ke mashu chuga dot ke no chuga the triple d's like that's <laughs> that's the vitamin d that we were missing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was a pr- our first project was based on that oh yeah. yeah oh you're right yeah. you remember yeah yeah <laughs> That is wow. true, yeah. I'm only interviewing creatives from now on. Khadija um, <laughs> Sharif, Mahmoud Moomin, thank yes. you so much yep. for having yes. this One question. Thank you so much. And you can make it brief. Okay. You were talking about that lady who said she didn't know what dish. Yes. Mm. What is yours? Oh, I love oh. that. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. That's right smart. Yeah. Okay. Can I w- say that again so I can phrase the question appropriately? She, what did she say that she didn't know? She said that in her time with her children, uh, they asked her, what is your favorite dish? Typically, she knew her children's dishes. Mm-hmm. And she, not only did she know a dish for each child she would know a variety of dishes for mm. each mm. child mm. alongside she knew her husband's favorite dishes mm. but then when it turned to her she couldn't even say what enlightened her taste buds mm. taste so buds, yeah. the lesson at least when i was hearing that mm-hmm. for me was to know yourself don't yeah. neglect right like yeah. as much as you're nourishing you need sustenance as well mm-hmm. so on that question then what is your favorite <laughs> dish And my favorite, favorite dish yes. is, it's two. One is very simple. It's malawah. I love. Me too, that's what I was going to say. You <laughs> can, yeah, okay. I, if I, oh my God. Malawah. Like Every day for the rest of my life, I would do it. Yeah. Nothing beats malawah. It's just so amazing. Very nice. Okay. And uh, my second favorite dish is lasagna. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I would say my second is going to be pizza. Like, I like, there's this chicken barbecue pizza. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, since I've been in Minneapolis, I've not eaten pizza. And Sa. back home in the East, like, in Connecticut, pizza's really good in mm-hmm. Connecticut. Like, that's one of the things they're known for. Like, and I'm like, I was talking to my sister, I was like, I need pizza. She's like, it's not going to be good. But yeah, pizza, chicken, barbecue chicken pizza. That's yeah. a really good pizza. Yeah. I'm with you I'm, with the malawah. Right? Malawah. You better. Okay, bear I can't yeah. do, but I'll do sukar. Like, whoa, you this know is, you know, this there's a restaurant or city riverside kutala that, that these women run, and they have the best malawah. 
with bed. Bear, huh? what, what, what is, is it called? Yeah. I forgot. You know, if Somal Marka Kima did and you're on Cedar and you go underneath the bridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. As yeah. soon as bridge, uh, there's a restaurant, there's a, a, a building to your right, Kaga. Okay. And the towers are on to your left. The uh, first stop sign, the uh, stoplight. Is it that new one? That new restaurant? The new Cedar? It used to have a buffet and stuff? You can either come from Washington, but if let's say you're driving on Cedar coming from Somal. Okay. And as soon as like it turns one on one side, you could go 94 east. Yeah. But there's also the bridge. Okay. Mm. On your right hand side, you will see a building, mm. and it's like in that. And the, oh, actually, it is right across from the first stop sign at Imani. You cross the bridge. There's a stop sign mm. where people coming off of 94 uh, west, Kasobahayan. Okay. To your right. And then that's the first stop sign that goes into the smaller buildings. Okay. And then the second one, second light, I forgot what it is. Is it 19th? I don't know. I don't even know Minneapolis like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I will now drive from Somal to Cedar. <laughs> yeah, Cedar I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I can. Uh, let me find the, the okay. name of the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. Yeah. If you, Especially the eat, you know, like I always go pray out there. Yeah. And then that's like. So, wow. Now you know we'll where do, you can uh, find women. They have the best bear and sukhar too. They okay, got. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like. I can yeah. do a nice chicken sukhar. Only when I'm back home will I eat. You bear. know what? I'm gonna do it tomorrow. Get up early. You guys gadget yeah, I had the gadget. I Okay. Well, I think we thank you for ending us off on that. That was beautiful. Yeah. We appreciate you both so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank okay. you for having us. <laughs>